0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Popular Sciences Techathlon: tech news through games, trivia, and mostly friendly competitions. I'm your host, Jason Letterman, and playing along with me today are Corinne, the lost Super Mario sister Iozio. Because women
1: can save them damn selves.
0: Stan, the human captcha test horror check. I already wrote that nickname as a joke, so I don't have another one for you now. And Rob, Silicon Shakespeare
2: Verger. Silicon Shakespeare actually is my middle name. Hey, there what you a
0: go. wonderful coincidence. Yeah. First up, as always, is a segment we call Last Week in Tech. Each of our panelists will pitch a news story that caught their attention since our last episode. It might be the most important tech story of the week, or it might just be something that they enjoyed. Because we're a chatty bunch of people and have a tendency to talk over each other, each panelist will get 60- I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Each panelist will get 60 glorious seconds all to themselves to explain the story, let you know what's going on, Then our other panelists can jump in for discussions, debates, etc. Rob, why don't you start? What do you want to talk about this week? I want to talk about all the new devices that Samsung just announced on Wednesday. That sounds very exciting. So why don't we start right now? Okay,
2: Samsung had a big event called Unpacked, and they unveiled a whole bunch of gadgets. The gadget we were all expecting was the S10, the Galaxy S10 smartphone, and we got a whole bunch of models of those. S10E, the main S10, S10+, Plus, S10 5G. So a whole bunch of new smartphones from Samsung. But the thing that stole the show was the Galaxy Fold, and this is a folding phone. The screen folds, and uh, on the front of it, when it's closed, is a small screen. And when you open it up and it becomes a tablet, Tablet size screen, and that's not coming out till April. It's going to be like almost two thousand dollars, and it's unclear. I mean, it's very cool looking. It's unclear how much fun or how practical it will actually be for people to use. But so while Samsung unveiled kind of all these Galaxy smartphones, the thing that really everybody's talking about is this— Ten seconds left. —kind of pie-in-the-sky, crazy, folding new device called the Galaxy Fold.
0: Five seconds.
2: And that's all I have to
0: say. You sort of addressed my question right away is, like, how practical is a folding phone? It's something I think we've all talked about and and wanted, but I don't know what the— use for it is.
2: That's the thing. And Stan made a great point in an article he wrote for the website, which is basically that this is a great early adopter. gizmo that like anybody who has two thousand extra dollars lying around and really wants to try out something that's very very first gen this would be a fun thing for them to be experimenting with but you know i think the proof will be in like what is it like to actually use it
3: i'm pretty excited about how much potential there is for catastrophe with this thing (laughs) like there's so many like it has this a mega complicated hinge in it and hinges are the thing that break in everything right if you have a refrigerator but when you do the
1: hinge right it's Beautiful, like like we always talk about the the Microsoft Surface laptop. Like, what does everybody talk about with that thing? Is like, ooh,
3: right, like and it's get very beautiful. Hinge. It's very pretty, but I mean, you're going to be putting this in your pocket all the time. You're going to be opening it and closing it thousands of times, and like, not to mention that if there's a screen on top of it, like that's thinner than a normal screen. It's a new category. This is like a new. Thing and like especially since 2018 was kind of boring for phones. Like the phones were good, but they were boring. Like this isn't boring, and I think I think that's awesome. People are mad that it's two thousand dollars, but what
0: else is it going to be? That's always what it was going to be. Yes or no? Right now, would you buy the phone if you had the option? Rob,
2: absolutely not, unless I was like a millionaire. Stan.
3: No, but because I'm a snob and that, like, little screen on the front is only 4.6 inches, which is too small. And, like, I think I'd be using that screen the most and it would feel like a downgrade.
1: What the hell kind of world are we in where... All of a sudden, we are now demanding a screen larger than 4.6 inches. When like That's where most of us started no, with want,
3: our iPhones. I want a surfboard with a screen on it. like As big as my <laughs> stupid pocket can deal with it. Like I want to have to wear a bulletproof vest with a big pocket on the front to carry my giant and phone And that way that your
1: phone can save your life one day?
3: Yeah. Okay. It'll both take my life and like save a, my
0: like life. Like a kangaroo pouch for your phone. That's what I want, yeah. yes.
3: I think that's the style, style of the future. Corinne, yes or no on the phone?
1: I don't know. Can I have a maybe? Because like, I'm going to take price out of the equation, right? right? I have an iPhone 8, not the 8 Plus, so like this, quote, smaller iPhone. And I also have an iPad mini. And I realize when I look at the slate of things that I have and I use on a regular basis that it's kind of dumb to have both of those things. So I'm a little bit tempted by the notion of having, you know, my iPhone and, and eating my iPad too.
3: My favorite thing in the demo was when the guy's like, look, I can use three apps at a time. And one of the apps was YouTube and the interface, it breaks it up in such a way that the YouTube video is like smaller. It's like the size of a postage stamp. Right. This is the other big problem, right?
1: Like you have to cross the line. You have to cross the equator. And that's not always the most elegant thing. Yeah,
3: there's going to be a lot of weird software stuff that I'm pretty excited to see how they deal with. I'm
1: actually more curious about the phones that regular people are going to buy. Rob, is there anything interesting enough to mention about the new regular Galaxy devices?
2: Yeah, the new S10s have a bunch of cool new features. I think the thing that caught my eye the most was a fingerprint sensor that is embedded under the display on most of them. Everything except the smallest one has this new fingerprint sensor. It's ultrasonic, so it's using sound waves to measure the pattern of your fingerprint, like the ridges and the valleys. And we're used to different kinds of fingerprint sensors that are, like, built into the home button of old iPhones or on the back of old Galaxy phones. So I think it's cool that they found a way to bake this fingerprint sensor into the display of these other samsung phones
3: i also like that it's ultrasonic instead of capacitive like the old iphone one because the capacitive one's just from what i understand read your print and it will work if someone steals your thumb from your corpse and wants to open your phone whereas this one will not and that's a real concern for me
2: that's really literally a a biometrics expert i spoke with gave that example he said if somebody cuts off your thumb (laughs) this new ultrasonic thing
0: should be able to tell that it doesn't have uh, blood flow in it. Can I
1: not have my new phone explanation with a side of dismemberment, please?
0: We're going to move on to the next thing. Corinne, what do you want to talk about today?
1: I'm going to talk about Google being super shady.
0: All right. Well, your super shady Google time starts now.
1: So Google's smart home arm is called Nest, right? Nest is a company that started off with thermostats, but now they have this smart home security system, a self-installed security system called Nest Secure. And Google got into a little bit of hot water earlier in the month because they announced, hey, guess what? Nest Secure now works with Google Assistant. We turned on the microphone and everybody was like, record scratch. There's a microphone on this thing? And this is a product that has been out for quite some time. And it's sort of a rude surprise to people that this wasn't something that was disclosed, that there's been a potentially live microphone in their house for, in some cases, up to a year. Uh, and it just kind of rubs people the wrong way. Google apologized. They may have culpa but it just flicks so much at the notion of we have so many of these things in Ten our homes seconds. and we don't know what they're doing all the time. And we really count on the companies to tell us the truth. So if they Five don't, seconds. it's a really terrifying precedent.
0: I want to be surprised, but at the same time, like... I you know, I feel like we've heard about this before.
1: Oh, for sure. This is definitely not the first time that we, there's been fear of like a live mic in your house. Like, Amazon is constantly under scrutiny for its Alexa enabled devices, its echoes, the dots and the echo shows. Anything that has a live mic in your house, right? You're putting a lot of faith in the company that they're going to use it correctly. And none of these products are perfect right out of the box.
3: This is such a weird conversation because if you have a phone in your house, then you have like a live microphone that could be listening to you all the time. This is kind of what, what happened when at CES there was a smart toilet with Alexa built in and a lot of the coverage was like, why would you want a toilet who could listen to you go into the bathroom? And they probably tweeted that while like holding their phone and when sitting on the toilet, you know, which <laughs> is like, it could still listen to you. Like, I think this is bad. Like, I don't know that there was a way for Google to put a microphone in this thing that wasn't active and make it not a negative. Because I I think there was probably an element of like, when we turn this on, they got a new feature. You know, it's like if Elon Musk was like, now your Tesla is also a submarine. And people are like, oh, sweet. Awesome.
1: But also think about what the feature that they announced sort of hints at. It's like, it's not, this is a security product, right? It's on the (laughs) the guard part of the Nest Secure system, right? Which is the pin pad that you would put in your access code or something like that. And they're like, now you can use Google Assistant. And you're like, why didn't you use this to enable a security function? Like, listen for the sound of breaking glass. Like, you know, you're not adding a security function. It's not really doing a lot to help your case of, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. We, we're not up to anything crummy. We just forgot to tell right. you.
3: And I guess you're just adding, I talked to a cybersecurity expert the other day, and he used a really good term where he said, like, when you're adding devices or features, you're increasing the surface area that's vulnerable to attack. And like that, that is a metaphor that sort of works for me where it's just like we added this other thing that might screw you. I I don't know what to tell you, you know.
1: But now you can ask Google Assistant on your way out the door if you need an umbrella. So everything's cool, right?
3: Yeah. It's just so weird. (laughs) Everything else already has Google Assistant in it. Like what are the chances that this is the only Google Assistant thing you have and you need it to have that?
2: It's weird, like, you know, Google does make a lot of these different hardware devices, like I have a Google uh, Mesh Wi-Fi system, and I've been thinking, like, it would be so easy for them to just put the assistant in this Wi-Fi system, because all they'd have to do is, you know, add a microphone to it or turn it on if it already exists. So in some senses, it makes sense for companies to make one gadget that does several things, like it's a Wi-Fi router and a way for you to talk to your assistant. But when they're not transparent about that, then it becomes an issue.
3: Yeah, I'm looking, interesting to look forward to when Amazon starts, releasing new Eero stuff. They're the mesh network company that they totally. just bought. If all the routers are going to have Alexa just mashed inside of it.
1: Or maybe you'll never know.
0: Stan, what are you going to talk about today?
3: I'm going to talk about an automatic machine that chops off your thumb so you can get into people's phones using their... <laughs> 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 it's not actually what I'm going to talk about. Last week, Audi introduced a system that could help you not sit at red lights anymore when you're in your car.
0: All right. Well, you have one minute to tell us about it
3: starting now. Audi recently introduced a system called the Traffic Light Information System. And this is baked into a lot of their cars except for the TT and one other model. And what it does is it uses 4G LTE connection to communicate with the system that links traffic lights together. So let's say you're driving down the street and there's a red light coming up. And on your dashboard or on the heads-up display that's projected onto your windshield – It will tell you how fast you can reasonably go so you don't have to actually stop at the red light. It knows what the timing of the red lights. And if you screw it up, let's say you go too fast or you you get stuck at a red light, it will give you a countdown that says the light is going to turn green in this many seconds. So stop checking your stupid Tinder (laughs) accounts because you're going to have to drive soon. Um, It's a really cool system and it's – In more than a dozen cities. Ten seconds left. Now. And they're starting to roll out to more. It needs a little infrastructure before it can work. Five seconds. I love stuff like this. I think this is great. I hate red lights. I get mad immediately. Immediately? Yeah. As soon as a red light happens. I'm just looking for thumbs to cut off.
2: <laughs> How does it get the information about the lights? Is it tied into some sort of network?
3: Yeah, the the lights need to be updated. Like It needs to be implemented at an infrastructure level. So it needs to be able to tap into this network and pull down that information, which I think is pretty fascinating in general. And apparently... Part of what's hindering its adoption is this chicken and egg scenario where we need more cars to support it to really make it worthwhile. But you don't really want to build it into cars until they can do something with it. So that's kind of where we are. And Audi is, is sort of jumping out ahead of this and and saying, like, well, we're willing to, to put this in our cars.
1: It kind of seems like what they need is one sort of flagship partner city to just say, like, you know, Audi is going to hand over a bunch of money. To a city to like upgrade its traffic light infrastructure. And then everybody else and it was like, Ooh, ooh, Des Moines is fancy now. Yeah. I, think... I want what Des Moines has. <laughs> it's a
2: smart city.
3: I think that's a lot that's what's kind of what's going on now. And that's why Audi's announcing it and you know, they're making people aware of it. And it it looks really cool from from what I can tell. But like I said, it, it'll make you less likely to sit at the light checking your phone and then the guy behind you honks and Ruins your day.
1: If we think really far forward about this, though, like this is something that could also help autonomous driving oh, yeah. work more efficiently, That's right? That's
0: exactly or- what I was about to say. It's just future proofing. Oh, yeah. And
3: I don't think people should
0: be driving at all. I think
3: we're all just sort of clinging on to this archaic idea that we need to drive our cars into each other and over pedestrians and over whatever animal might be in the road. Like, I look forward to the day where I never have to touch a steering wheel again. So as much as we can do to to get closer to that, I'm I'm all for it.
0: I also don't want a steering wheel. I just want a horse and buggy. No humans (laughs) driving, just horses driving. There's nothing wrong with this plan,
1: Jason. (laughs) Nothing at all.
3: Do horses have red lights? Do you have to stop at a red light if you're on a horse? Yeah, if
0: you're on the road. It's the rules of the road. I don't know. I feel like if I had a horse, I would just do whatever I want.
1: Why would you put your horse in danger like that?
0: Yeah, I I don't don't. want your horse to crash into my horse. Just get a new horse.
2: Horses are self-driving, actually. It's kind (laughs) of (laughs) cool. They just know how
0: to do it. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. And we're back. It's now time to play show and tell. Stan, I think you brought a toy for the class today. Why don't you take it out? (laughs) I did.
1: Stan is opening like a full-size gym duffel bag. Yes. With
0: a large
2: box in it. Hello. What the hell? There we go.
1: This box, this is a large... I mean, it's probably like a foot-and-a-half by foot-and-a-half box, and it's the Johnsonville Sizzling Sausage Grill. <laughs>
3: that's right. That's You bet it is. Is the sausage grill really in that box? Is not something else know. in the, there? We're,
1: we're about to find out.
3: The sausage grill is really in that box.
1: Stan, is this a Foreman Grill that's only for sausage?
3: Yes. Yeah, so when I first saw this on the internet, when they first reached out to me about this, I laughed because a sausage grill seems very
2: ridiculous.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, they're like all, they're little little divots, they're all in a little row. It's
2: so specific, it's crazy. It's the opposite of what we were just talking about with one device that can do many things. It
1: looks like a mold for
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's phallic, yes, Yes. but. It looks like you'd grill a bunch of
1: (laughs) Stan has also taken out of his bag what appears to be a grocery bag and I'm so scared about what's about to happen. It's sausages.
2: They're
3: in it. Corinne, if you would please plug in the Johnsonville Sizzling Sausage Grill.
0: Hey, this is Jason from the future. It took us a long time to set up the grill, but it is it's set an up now.
1: Embarrassingly long time. And
0: I am holding the sausages, so we're gonna throw the sausages in. And these are going to be our mystery prizes.
3: This is not sponsored content, by the way. I just really love the idea of a sausage grill.
1: Like I and, hate unitaskers so much.
3: Yeah, and this. How is much does
1: this stupid thing cost? The most
3: unitasker it costs eighty dollars.
1: <laughs> so you have to
3: really love sausages to buy it, but if you cook a lot of sausages, it cooks five at a time and it has a built-in temperature probe so it knows when the sausages are done and it will turn off automatically. Oh, so they say it takes between 10 and 15 minutes and honestly those sausages were frozen and we then are I,
0: still pretty frozen. yeah, so I they <laughs> who knows? okay, the sausages are in. sausages are in while the sausages are cooking. <laughs> Let's move on to our next game. I can't
1: believe this is happening.
0: 157 years ago today, February 25th, 1862, the United States authorized the dollar bill as the nation's first paper currency. Today our money is undergoing yet another overhaul, digital cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. But it's not just money, there are cryptos designed to securely exchange all manners of assets. Corinne, you've been doing some research into cryptocurrencies and you have a new game for us, what's it called?
1: I thought it would be fun to play a game I'm calling, wait, there's a crypto for that? I'm going to read you three gentlemen, the descriptions and names of six cryptocurrencies. Some of them are true, some of them I made up, and you guys can debate amongst yourselves and decide what's what.
0: Okay, so we're working as a team. Yes. Okay.
1: Are we ready? Everybody's clear on the rules? Yes. Totally. These are going to go quick. Fuzzballs. Exchange coins you mine for gifts and party favors, like keychains?
3: The currency is called fuzzballs? Fuzzballs. Yeah, I hate this so much that it's probably real, <laughs> right? Like, it makes me mad enough yeah, that I, I'd imagine that someone came up with this.
0: I oh. think, I think it's real.
2: I, my feeling was false just because fuzzballs doesn't sound like the kind of names that, are, that cryptocurrencies usually get.
1: It's actually a term that is borrowed from uh, a theory about the physics of black holes.
0: The sausages are starting to sizzle. I think it's fake now because Corinne is giving us too good of an explanation on the name. All right. Well,
3: Rob and Jason say it's fake, so I'll go, I'll go with them. I guess we're a team.
0: So
1: oh, first answer, best answer, Stan.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, These real. are just a bunch
1: of nerds who did their homework.
3: By the way, if we lose this game, we have to take our paychecks and fuzzballs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay. What are you
2: thing. laughing at, fuzzball? <clears throat> Sorry, laugh it up, fuzzball.
1: Laugh it up, fuzzball. All right. Next, Whopper coin. In stores across Russia, Burger King customers receive tokens in their digital wallet for each whopper they purchase. One ruby equals one coin. Seventeen hundred get you a free burger.
3: Wait, you have to eat seventeen
2: hundred whoppers? No, you have to spend
1: seventeen hundred rubies.
3: Oh. This is complicated enough that I also think this is real.
2: (laughs) It also it doesn't sound like a cryptocurrency so much as just a loyalty program, right? Like stamps on your subway card. Yeah, it does.
1: It really is. It's basically a customer loyalty program that is used through the same technology. As a cryptocurrency. If would be.
3: eating hamburgers becomes a method of investing, then I'm going to be like Jim Cramer on MSNBC. <laughs> I will be the expert. Bye, bye, bye. Yes, that will be me. I don't know. This still sounds kind of real to me. I think Corinne already told us it's real.
1: It is real. This is a thing that Burger King actually did. Okay, next. Hamill Bill, the currency, a venture from the Theater Development Fund, is exchangeable for Hamilton House seats on Broadway. Only 10,000 bills were minted.
0: I do like that it's 10,000 because Hamilton is on the 10, but there's no way this is real. I only vaguely know what Hamilton is because I'm a bad person.
3: (laughs) If anybody's going to know about this, it's Jason. So I will defer to him. I'll defer to Jason, sure.
1: Yeah, I totally made that up. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Man. All right. Next up SexCoin, a crypto for the adult industry. SexCoin wants to replace the entire payment processing system for porn. This way, users can avoid things like processing fees and chargebacks.
3: This is 1,000% real. There's, yeah. there's no way, yeah. like, 300
0: guys in Florida aren't trying to do this exact same thing. I'm disappointed in that. Like, I feel like there's such better names. Like, like, it could have been Bit.
1: Porn is such a huge industry. What makes you think there's only one? Like, what makes you think, like, Bitcoin isn't a thing?
0: Oh, Bitcoin. Also, porn
2: pushes technology forward. So it makes sense for crypto and porn to be connected.
1: All right. Yes, this is 100 percent true. And coin also. Next up, DentaCoin. Nine out of 10 dentists recommend this crypto to their patients for making payments and exchanging records securely.
2: Wow. I didn't think going to the dentist
3: could be any more miserable
2: than it already is. <laughs> I think it's fake because I just I can't see dentists getting on board with
0: crypto. If you're a dentist like, you're probably HIPAA compliant, you know, it's somebody's medical records, even, you know, it's, it's their mouth, it's not their full medical record, but I, I can't see this being real.
1: All right, so that's the consensus on fake?
3: Yeah, I don't believe in dentists. Is that, <laughs> is that a different <laughs> conversation? I don't right. believe
2: in teeth. Right.
1: Okay, sorry, guys, this is 100% a real thing. Really? Yes. What? Wow. All right. Last up, a currency called KickCoin. Jump the line for the next big sneaker drop. All you need is 750 coins from this crypto. Developed in collaboration with Foot Locker.
0: I can see this being real because like sneaker people love their sneakers, you know? Like, people wait hours in line when new Jordans come out.
3: Yeah. No, this sounds real to me, too. Honestly, sneaker hype is anything you can do to make a sneaker more wacky in limited edition. I think, I think people like. And if, if people aren't doing this already, I think Corinne just gave somebody, like, a million-dollar idea. Yeah. I'm on board with real.
1: Well, it is totally fake.
3: Wow, man. Somebody run
1: I'm a genius. Somebody get
3: kickcoin.com right now.
1: You guys are are at a 50-50 split. I have a tiebreaker to see if you win or lose. Oh, let's do it. Okay. Einsteinium. Funds from this crypto contribute to scientific, technological, and philanthropic projects.
3: I want to say this sounds real, too. And it sounds like the kind of thing that has a real sad ending where, like, it goes bankrupt and no science ever happens again (laughs) because of it. (laughs) You know, like we were really counting on that Einsteinium money, and now it's all gone because someone and, forgot the password. And
2: yet <laughs> the, the sneaker token goes viral and <laughs> earns millions. Yeah. This sounds real to me. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I'll go with real.
0: Sure, why not? I'll I'll jump on board. I don't think it's real, but I will jump on board.
1: This is real, and it heartens me greatly that it exists, but I'm so distracted right now. Like, I barely listen to anything anybody was just saying because the sound of the sizzling sausages (laughs) is so... The room
0: is starting to smell real good, listeners. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with more sausages. Hey, folks. Looking for awesome popular science merch? We've got you covered at PopSci.Threadless.com. Pick up t-shirts, notebooks, mugs, and other great swag with iconic vintage covers and modern designs. Plus, check out our podcast store and rep your favorite PopSci shows like TechAthlon. All that and more at PopSci.Threadless.com. That's P-O-P-S-C-I.Threadless.com.
1: Oh, oh Wow.
0: Oh I just want
1: everybody to know, the, the, that 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 beep was sausage time. All right, I'm gonna open it. Go I feel like I'm about to get a facial, Go there's ahead. a lot of steam.
0: There's a lock on the handle. Hey, oh. Just oh, it. Oh. There it goes, it's open. Whoa! Oh. St- Those look really good! <laughs> Those look
1: yum They look that's
0: perfectly that's awesome. brown! I took a picture. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have some sausages and we have a competition coming up where somebody will win one. Apple was back in the news this week as its group FaceTime feature still doesn't work correctly. This sent me personally down nostalgia lane thinking about all of the unusual errors that the tech giant has made over the last decade plus. So I gave our panel a little bit of homework. Write a sonnet about your favorite bug from Apple. And originally I was going to judge this competition, but instead we have a special guest judge. It's Stan's daughter, Lucy. Yay!
1: Yay! Yay. Hi.
0: Hello. So, Lucy, since you're the only one of us who is still in an English class, you're going to be the judge. You'll hear four sonnets, one from each of us, about classic mistakes that Apple has made. And at the end, you'll tell us which sonnet you liked best and why. And the winner gets a sausage.
3: Does everyone know what a sonnet is out in podcast land? Because I had to literally look this up on
0: Wikipedia. That's fair. That's fair. So it's a poem that is 14 lines long. The rhyme scheme goes A, B, A, B, C, D, C, D, E, F, E, F, G, G. It's the worst thing in the world. That
1: last part is called a couplet.
0: So, Lucy, don't let the fact that anyone is your dad or that anyone may have walked into the office this morning and immediately high-fived you and told you that you were their favorite member of your family. Don't let that influence you in any way. I can make your life very terrible.
2: (laughs) I'm just reminding you. Doesn't he probably already make your life terrible? But,
1: I mean, doesn't she also now have a warm place in her heart for the people who aren't threatening her?
0: On that note, Rob, why don't you go first again? Okay, I'm going to read my sonnet. Think back.
2: Do you recall the iPhone 4? It definitely was not first rate. And it surely was not a bore. Because it gave us antenna gate. If you held the phone the wrong way... It just might make your calls drop, and that would ruin people's day. And yet, it sold well. It wasn't a flop. Back then, the CEO was Steve Jobs, and he flew to come to its defense. So he addressed the angry mobs and appealed to common sense. And then he cut right to the chase, giving everyone a free bumper case.
1: Wow. Wow, yes. I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna was. soft clap do, Rob do, right we, now. How
3: do poetry people clap? Is there like a
1: is
2: there a snapping? It's
0: snaps. It snaps.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. It snaps. We're,
1: yeah.
2: The rhythm and the meter and the syllables was all off, but otherwise, no. But I think, but it was I think okay. you,
1: you got it there. It was great.
0: Thank you.
2: Wow.
3: Yeah, I remember when that happened. That's fun. That is. This is
0: memory lane, Jason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did anybody have an iPhone four and have to deal with antenna gate? I got one after they were fixed. I had a 4S.
1: Okay. I I my first iPhone was a five.
0: Mine was a six.
2: I think my first was a four, but, I mean, this was such an... Everyone made a big deal out of this issue, but I don't think it actually
0: affected a lot of people. What? People freaked out about nothing? (laughs) Crazy. Crazy. Stan, would you like to go next? Uh, Okay.
3: Nobody look at me while I read
0: this.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Most Apple demos only show the good stuff. They never talk about what might go wrong. In 2012, its Maps looked good enough to help tell Google's app to run along. Once Maps hit people's phones via update... Things didn't look as polished as they'd said. Some roads appeared to curve when they were straight. You might as well have used MapQuest instead. Last year, Apple set out to rebuild maps. It pulled in lots of data from iPhones. It's no longer the saddest of the nav apps, but now I opt for ways to guide me home. I still worry the route Apple would take might guide me to my death beneath a lake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I remember. Oh, yes, yes, snaps. I remember when Apple Maps first came out, and there were so many cases of people posting screenshots of like having to navigate through an ocean. Yeah,
3: there was an airport in the ocean in yeah.
0: Ireland, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah, and the lake thing
1: out. you did not make
2: up.
3: <laughs> no, I was telling people to like drive drive through lakes. That was like a running joke. It like
2: manifested
3: as a joke on The Office. But yeah, it was. Oh yeah, it
2: did. <laughs> yeah, it's
3: better now. They use some, Like I, I think it's I think it's okay now, but I, I still don't personally use it. Corinne.
1: All right, here we go. <clears throat> Oh come on, there are words that won't type. When you tap an I, the keyboard says A. Maybe the phone was not worth the hype. Autocorrect never had that much play. Be real, who would ever shout what the duck or use the word heine in 2018? Get yourself together, Apple, we mean You must be embarrassed. Look what a scene. Hold on, worse yet, a question mark on a box? The world has gone nuts. This cliff has no place. Hurry on up, cause the swap really sucks. For now, no more texts. Just talk to my face. No more tweets. No more snaps. No more Facebook posts. What's this? An OS update? Whew! That was close.
2: Wow. Wow. Snaps.
1: (laughs) See, I was a little less overt about what this was. Do you guys know what I'm talking about?
3: Yeah,
2: it was when autocorrect was... Doing bad. It was, you type like an I or something and it would be like a box with a question mark.
1: You would get the letter A and then a little box with a question mark inside it. And also, I just want everybody to know there are only two instances of the letter I in this entire poem because well, I was not. trying to not use them at all.
0: There is no I in poem. It's true. That's true. There is a me if you rearrange the letters, and also (laughs) Poe.
1: There's no way to say 18 without saying eight.
0: (laughs) This was a
2: really recent bug, though. Like, this just happened, I feel like, it was just about a year ago.
1: This was 2018. Yeah. 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 Jason, we've all, you know, put ourselves out there.
0: Yeah. You wrote a poem, too. I did. Oh, awesome. I was so pumped about the iPhone 6 Plus. Before that, all my smartphones were Android. And so I was confused by all the fuss of other users who were more annoyed. The phone did bend when on it I sat down, and then I knew I'd found a major flaw. My face did scowl and then turned to a frown, and to the floor did drop my shocked jaw. I joined the ever-growing online swarm of iPhone users feeling so irate, and soon I learned to call this crooked form the name by which it had been dubbed Bendgate. Thus ends the tale that I have brought you on. Thank you for your attention to my son, Net. <laughs> I like you rhymed Android and annoyed. That's awesome. I did. That's really Thank, good. You. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, uh, my phone was a, it was a six. It wasn't a six plus, but it, it definitely. Did bent. you keep it in your back pocket? though? No, I keep it, it in my front pocket, and it's still bent. Still bent.
1: Wow. I mean, where do you? My phone lives in my back pocket, but really? not when I'm sitting down. I think I, I think take that's, it out before I sit down because I'm not a monster. No, yeah.
3: oh. mine has never been in my back pocket never. in my life. Is, is it because you don't have access to good pockets? It's
1: because the front pockets in women's jeans are trash. Yep. Like they, they're they just – Lucy's nodding. See, she's with me. <laughs> she knows exactly why the phone goes in the back pocket. Yeah,
3: I could fit lunch then, for
0: a week in my pocket. It's great. <laughs>
1: pockets
0: are fake. These aren't even pockets. Oh, that must be frustrating. I can frustrating. get like three
1: whole fingers into this pocket and this is a generous one.
0: Okay, Lucy, it's decision time. Which poem did you like the best and why?
1: I think I am going to choose my dad and not because he Oh my this is dad. rigged. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: totally rigged.
1: Because I think Rob would have had it if he hadn't have said flop.
2: In his
0: thing. Oh. I hate that word. Oh,
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> the
3: joys of being judged by a 12-year-old.
2: It's
0: just... <laughs> I, that's such a great reason to dislike something. You just hate the word flop. You can't help it. That's, that's a, fair.
1: That's a new one. I've never heard that,
0: but now I wonder if it's going to start to bother me. Well, Stan, congratulations on winning a sausage. Lucy, thank you. Snaps for Lucy. Everyone. Yeah, thanks for judging. We're going to move on to our final game of this episode. Recently, a pristine copy of a scarce Super Mario Bros. variant sold for more than $100,000, making it one of the most expensive video games ever sold at auction. But old NES games aren't the only bit of electronics fetching big bucks at the auction block. Stan, I know you really took an interest in this story. What did you find? Yeah, so
3: I went digging because I was curious what other gadgets have fetched a lot of money. And I have found six objects that sold for absurd sums, presumably to nerds with too much money, which I wish I was, to be quite honest. So for this game, I'm going to tell you about some things that went up for auction. I'm going to tell you the estimated price that they had before the auction started. And you'll have to guess whether it sold for more or less than the price that they had guessed. Okay, Corinne. The first item is an original Apple One computer. Steve Wozniak built 50 Apple One computers by hand when the company got started back in the mid-70s. One of those machines went up for auction in 2014 at Bonham, New York's History of Science auction. The estimate was somewhere between $300,000 and $500,000.
1: That's a really big range. Okay. I'm going to say over.
3: That's right. It actually sold for $905,000. I
1: was even going to like footnote and say, I, I bet you it was close to a million dollars. It
3: was a lot of money. And it and not only did they get the computer, but the, it also came with a bunch of stuff from back in the day, including like an Apple newsletter and a bunch of period appropriate stuff. Which oh, that's I,
0: really cool. Yeah, I
3: think it's really cool. Gotta I,
1: love that swag.
3: And like those original Apple Ones go for so much. There is a motherboard, just a motherboard, not the whole thing with the monitor and the mouse and everything that sold for $375,000. So Wow. Okay, Jason. Stan. Most of the cameras astronauts brought to the moon are still up there. They were jettisoned because everything adds weight and they want to cut as much weight as possible. One camera, however, came back. The Hasselblad 500C camera took nearly 300 pictures in the hands of astronaut Jim Irwin during the Apollo 15 mission in 1971. The estimate was
0: $500,000. I think this one is also more
3: Yes, that's right. This one was over two. This one sold for $910,000. Oh, nice. I'm the most expensive so
0: far. (laughs) I mean,
2: stuff that's
3: been to the moon and back, man,
2: expensive. All right, Rob, are you ready? I'm totally ready. This one is
3: the Xerox Alto. Xerox engineers built this DOS-based machine in 1973. It never hit commercial market, but it served as inspiration for Microsoft and Apple's later accomplishments in the world of the personal computer. In 2010, a broken model went up on eBay with a buy-it-now price of $75,000. I'm going to guess over. This one went under, actually. Someone bid on – there was one bid for $30,000, and that person got it. And it was one of the first, like, mouse-based –
2: Kind of like it taught people the, the whole idea of the GUI, right? The graphical user interface.
3: It's also
1: what Steve Jobs stole the mouse from.
2: <laughs> totally. Yeah, the OG. It's kind of hilarious that it
3: got so much less than the first
2: Apple. <laughs> and it's crazy because Apple gets all the you know, credit for you know, personal computers and stuff. But yeah, it was inspired by the Xerox stuff.
3: Okay, Corinne. Okay. The next is a pair of Apple sneakers. While actual gadgets typically fetch the biggest bucks, gadget memorabilia can get up there in price, too. In 2017, a pair of vintage Apple sneakers went up for auction. The kicks looked kind of like Nike Air Force Ones, but they were produced by Adidas in a very limited run back in the early 90s. The estimate was $24,000.
1: I'm going to say under, but not by much.
3: This one was under. In fact, these didn't sell at all at auction. There was oh, <laughs> no bids uh, at the starting bid, and uh, they went up later, and I think they sold at a lower price as part of a private sale. But when they went up for auction, no no one was willing to pay $24,000 for, no for Apple sneakers. It's a lot of money. Sadly. Jason, it's probably not much of a surprise that the most expensive record of all time was the Beatles' White Album. The record holder is a copy of The White Album with the serial number 00000001. It came from Ringo Starr's personal collection and was went to auction in 2015. The estimate was $50,000, oh definitely more. <laughs> yeah. This one is actually the one that was over by the most because it was estimated at 50000 and sold for $790,000. Yeah, that sounds
0: closer to his, right.
3: His Ludwig drums kit sold for $2.2 2 million. Oh, my wow. gosh. Ringo's
1: still alive, right? Yeah. yeah. He's just cashing it all in.
3: I think that was mostly for charity, largely for charity. Okay. I don't think he could have any more gold mansions if he <laughs> – I, yeah. I don't think there's an amount of money that registers for Ringo Starr anymore. All right, Rob, last one. Okay the most expensive camera ever to sell at auction was a Leica Null Series or Zero Series camera. German camera company Leica is famous for creating amazing cameras with massive price tags. The company regularly releases special editions that cost more than a sensible family sedan, but its most valuable camera on the secondary market was one of its first. The Zero Series was one of 25 prototypes built in 1923. Specifically, it was number 22. A previous auction... Sold for $2.75 million for a similar camera a couple years earlier. Once went up last year. Do you think it was more or less?
2: Than $2.5 million? Yeah. I'm going to go with less. I could
3: be wrong, but that's my guess. This one was also more. Ah. $2.95 million. Oh my uh, God. Wow. Yeah. So.
1: For a camera that, when people buy these expensive cameras, do they take pictures with them?
3: Oh, not this one. I no. I don't yeah. imagine you could take a picture with this one, I, to be quite honest. It's
1: just a thing on a shelf.
3: Yeah, it would be like it would crumble apart into. All right. But yeah, it definitely would go on a shelf. But very close to $3 million.
1: That's crazy. Was anybody keeping score?
0: It was two to two to zero. I don't have a tiebreaker, so you guys both get a sausage. Yay! Yay! Rob, as the consolation prize, you can also have a sausage. (laughs) I am so excited to have one of those sausages. They smell good. I'm amazed at this sausage grill. (laughs) This is not sponsored. I just think it's. The sausages look amazing. Now you guys all know how the sausage is made. Oh. And with that, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Stan, Corinne, and Rob. And Lucy. Snaps for Lucy one more time. My name is Jason Letterman. We'll catch you next week to play another round of Popular Science's Techathlon. (laughs) Techathlon is a popular science podcast. We're available on all major podcast platforms, so subscribe wherever you're listening now. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It will help other people to find the show. You can buy our merch, including t-shirts, tote bags, and mugs at popsy.threadless.com. The show is produced by the entire PopSci tech team and me, Jason Letterman. Our theme music is by Billy Cadden. If you have questions, suggestions, or opinions to share, tweet us at TechAthlonshow. Thanks for listening.